Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. If you bring a suit, a legal action against someone um, through your attorney, the papers go to that other person and they get an attorney. And the matter, before it goes any further, goes through a period of what's called discovery. And discovery gives you the right to ask questions of the other party within a certain time period. And they have to answer the questions. And if they don't answer them, there are certain sanctions. But the point is, there's a period of questions and answers prior to anything else going on. And why is that? So that you can have a better idea of what's going on before you react. Um, In a negligence case, for instance, if somebody has a broken leg and you file suit the next day, you don't start settlement negotiations the day after that. First, you have to gather all of the medical information, and the other side has an opportunity to also take uh, their own medical expert and have them look at the situation. Again, why? So that everybody knows what's going on before you act. In the world... It's not quite like that all the time. Uh, People are very emotional. And so what happens is somebody says something to somebody, they say something back, and everything begins to escalate without an opportunity to truly understand what's going on. Now, you know, Jesus said, when someone hits you, you should turn the other cheek. Um, In a bullfight, the bull dies because the bull reacts. Imagine if as this bullfighter is waving his cape, the bull decided to just sit still in the middle of the arena. What would happen? Eventually they would drag him out because he wasn't of any use and there was no entertainment there. So the way for the bull to survive is not to react. But what the bull does is reacts like crazy because he can't control himself. And maybe he also doesn't understand what's going on. Well, there's a story about Abu Bakr and the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Abu Bakr was sitting in a small circle of companions with the Prophet when some Arabs walked in, sat down, and started complaining heavily to the Prophet about Abu Bakr. 
and Abu Bakr was getting twitchy. Uh, but the Prophet was smiling the whole time. And then Abu Bakr began to defend himself. And the Prophet stopped smiling. Then the uh, Arabs started to complain again. And Abu Bakr and, and the Prophet began to smile again. And then Abu Bakr began to defend himself again. And the Prophet began to frown. This went on for a while. And finally the Arabs left. And Abu Bakr was left with the Prophet. And he said to him, When the Arabs were complaining about me, and telling lies about me, you were smiling. But when I started to defend myself, you frowned. What's going on? And the Prophet said to Abu Bakr, while you were quiet, the angels surrounded you and defended you. When you began to defend yourself, the angels left. So I was frowning because the angels left. Uh, there was no need for you to get involved. The angels were taking care of everything. Well, there's different ways to handle every situation. And we have to understand that one of the ways is what seems like externally passivity, the ability to not react. The bull doesn't have discretion. The bull is not able to control its temperament. So when the cape is waved in front of him, he reacts to the cape. He's incapable of not reacting to the cape. Many of us are the same way. Any confrontation that occurs, we react. And we often react violently. Now, what happens when the bull reacts violently? The bull ends up getting killed. If the bull had become passive, he would have ruined the game. And the other people playing the game wouldn't know what to do and would have to remove the bull. If we learn to become passive in certain situations, now again, it's not all situations, but in certain situations, we also ruin the game. Whoever is starting the confrontation no longer is getting what he wants, which is reaction. Now, one of the things that we have to learn in this life is not to be a bull. We have to learn not to react in all circumstances. So, we have to learn 
that when the cape is waved at us, we don't need to charge. We can walk away. Now, of course, the people on the other side will taunt you for that. Oh, you walked away. Well, don't forget that the people who are taunting you are not the judge and jury. The people who are taunting you are usually less than human. And for you to become actively engaged with people who are less than human, only vile things are going to come out of it. And when you understand that only vile things are going to come out of it, you begin to understand what an appropriate reaction would be. Classically, uh, and many teachers talk about the robotic being, the humans being robotic, and the fact that with the interaction with external forces, there are automatic and equal reactions, sometimes automatic and more than equal reactions. Um, the law says that if someone approaches you with violence, you are allowed to come back with equal violence. But you can't come back with greater violence. That becomes a crime. So if somebody spits at you and you shoot them, you're in trouble because you overreacted to being spit on even though you may consider that a vile affront uh, worthy of them dying, the law doesn't consider it that way, and therefore you would be in trouble. But what we have to do is stop reacting to external situations. Stop reacting to the world. And when we stop reacting to the world, we then have the opportunity to create what we want to react to. So as opposed to being driven by what happens on the outside, we become driven by what happens on the inside. As opposed to being driven by other people's intentions, we can become driven by our own intentions. And the only way to do this is to internalize, become non-reactive, and discover what appropriate intentions are. So not only do we have to have internal intentions, we have to have appropriate internal intentions, or nothing of positive consequence will occur. So, if we decide and conclude that we would rather deal with reality than illusion, then we have to ask the question, how do we deal 
with reality? And how do we bypass illusion? These are very important questions for each of us because people spend a lifetime dealing with illusion. Um, And they spend a lifetime (coughs) chasing what they think are the fruits of illusion. If you are inclined to want power, you have to set up a structure that you can be powerful in. And it may take decades to set up this kind of a structure. And after the structure is established, you find out that there's nothing there that you really need. That what does power get you? Power eventually leads to difficulty and humiliation. Look simply at some world leaders. Look at Nixon. Look at Clinton. Look at what happened to them in their chase for power and the difficulties that they ran into trying to hold on to power. Because one of the things that you need to know is there's a competition for everything that exists in illusion. And other people are looking to get the same stuff that you have or or want. So within this competition, people get incredibly aggressive. In our democracy, the aggression is mostly by way of debate within uh, the various houses, but in other places it ends up with a tu brute. And for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, Caesar was stabbed by the senators, including one of who one of whom he thought was his best friend, Brutus. So he said, and you too, Brutus. And then that was his last line. (laughs) He fell over dead. And that's where power took him. I have found that people you consider your friends will turn on you for reasons that don't have any sensible logic. Why would that be? Because the kind of people that would turn on you don't have sensible logic. They aren't capable of wisdom. They're capable of doing the things that come from ignorance. They have lost their dignity. They have lost their uprightness. They have lost their loyalty. They aren't Sufis. Sufis are supposed to love. Sufis who turn on people are frauds. We need to realize who among us, who among the people we know, are frauds. 
And this is often very difficult to recognize until at some moment they show themselves through an act that they do. And when that occurs, you better take notice. And you better understand what it means. Because now it's not going to change. They've been exposed. You know they've been exposed. And you know what to expect. So they're only going to be sneakier in the future. You know, a fraud always occurs in secret. Why? Because if it was done in the open, everyone would see it. The uh, illegal nature of it would be noticed immediately and it would be taken care of. So frauds have to hide. And we have to be very careful. Now, in the rules and regulations of the way that we are supposed to act, some of the things that we're supposed to do is we're not supposed to talk about other people. But those who don't adhere to the truth will tell you that it's okay if the circumstances are such that it needs to be done. And they will create circumstances saying that it needs to be done. The bigger question is, why did you have to get involved? Why do you need to be the one that saves the world? If you look at religious extremism, religious extremism is constantly getting involved. It's getting involved to separate people from their lives because their religion is incorrect. And by pulling them out of the world, by killing them, you're saving them from committing further wrongs. And this is the logic of most religious extremism. They believe they have to destroy everything that doesn't coincide with their way of thinking. And when that way of thinking exists, there is no wisdom. There is just ignorance. And ignorance builds upon itself. And ignorance draws in the ignorant. And then they become a a community of ignorant And they all support each other. People can be convinced of almost anything if they're in a group where everyone is shouting the same thing at them over and over and over and over. So we have to understand that we have to be very careful who we associate with, who we spend time with, and who we listen to. And if we spend time with people who are constantly talking about others, who are constantly degrading others, who are constantly judging others, what's going to happen very soon? We will start talking about others. We will start degrading others. We will start judging others. Because that's the nature of the conversation that you have with these people. And you end up joining into the conversation. You also become anesthetized to what's going on 
when you hear it over and over and over. You become unable to understand the magnitude of the inappropriate nature of what's going on. Because it's done so often. And it's repeated so often. And you hear it so often. So we have to be able to set appropriate rules for ourselves. And those rules have to be from a deep source within us. And then we have to adhere to those rules and not allow the world of illusion to make us change our attitude towards those rules. We have to be strong in doing things appropriately. We have to be strong in taking the high road. We have to be strong in doing things in a positive way that reflects on the qualities of Allah. Now, sometimes we see things that are obviously wrong. God also sees these things that are obviously wrong. But when God sees things, he sees the consequences of those acts the moment the acts occur. We don't. So we often think we have to put the consequences into action at that moment. Because we don't have the patience for the consequences to catch up with the act. We all of a sudden become the arbiter of what is supposed to happen. And when we do that, we run into difficulty. Because we don't have perfect judgment. We don't have a perfect sense of what is supposed to occur when certain things occur. God does. And if we rely on God, if we surrender to God, and if we surrender to His judgment and to His acts, we'll find that our life becomes easier. We often think that the way that we have to do certain things in order for us to move forward. And there's truth to that. But, what are the things that we have to do? And the things that we have to do are disappear more in Allah. Not push the world in the way that we think it should be pushed. Aggression is the way of illusion. Disappearance is the way of reality. Death is the way of illusion. Eternal existence is the way of reality. Physical form is the way of illusion. A light body is the way of reality. If we can see ourselves as a light body as opposed to this physical form, we will have an entirely different vision of ourselves and a different understanding of ourselves.
Does light need a house? Does light need a car? Does light need fame? Does light need food? What is it within this world that light needs? There's nothing within this world that light needs. Light is transcendent to this elemental world. And can we imagine ourselves being transcendent to this elemental world? Can we imagine ourselves being among the ones who are hidden, who communicate with Allah, and for whom this world exists? The world doesn't exist because of the kings and the presidents. The world exists because of the hidden ones who are contemplating Allah. The world exists because of the ones who love Allah and have disappeared from the world to be in communication with Allah. Imagine the difference in attitude and the difference in lifestyle of one who exists to communicate with Allah or one who exists who tries to conquer illusion. The difference is the difference between night and day, between darkness and light. And we believe, because the sun shines, that we're choosing light, even though we're running around in illusion. But because it appears light to our eyes, doesn't mean it's not still night doesn't mean it's not still darkness and just because it's dark outside doesn't mean there can't be light we can't take the physical attributes that we see and touch and feel and hear as signs of reality we can only see reality by becoming wise and seeing reality. Only God can know God. Only Rahman can know Rahman. Only Rahim can know Rahim. If you don't know Rahman, all you're doing is conjecturing. All you're doing is making stuff up about it. If you're talking about compassion and you've never been compassionate, None of your words make any sense. Even though you may have memorized them from people who actually know about compassion and have described it. And this is what goes on mostly in the world. Scholars read other scholars, and if they were wise, they memorize what they said, then they repeat it as if they experienced it. And it's not so. There's a story about Abdul Qadir Jalani who came every Friday to give a discourse. And one day, he was late. And so his son took up the mantle and began to speak. And he spoke these wonderful words. And while he's talking, the audience, the people begin fidgeting, falling asleep, start talking to each other, and people weren't paying attention, even though he was talking about incredibly lofty things. Then Abdul Qadir Jalani came... 
His son sat down, and he began to talk about how his cat was hungry. And that was why he was late. He had to give his cat milk, and it took him a while to get the milk in order to give it to his cat. And everybody in the audience was crying. Why? Because he was conveying compassion. And he was conveying what actually occurs in his being, which is compassion. And everybody felt that compassion. But when his son was talking about compassion, it had no reality to it. We must become real. And the only way to become real is to live in reality. And what is reality? Rahman is reality. Rahim is reality. Shakur is reality. Salam is reality. Peace, mercy, compassion, gratitude are reality. The qualities of Allah are reality. And if we reside in the qualities of Allah, then we'll have wisdom. Then we'll be closer to Allah. God is wisdom. Everything else is illusion. And if we try to find wisdom in illusion, we're going to find illusory wisdom. Or as Bao would call it, degraded wisdom. So, we need to understand what's degraded and what's real. And as long as it touches the world, and as long as it depends on the world, and as long as it comes from the world, and as long as it's sourced from the world, and as long as it's dug up in the world, it's degraded. There's a reason that the world is called the dunya. The dung heap. So, the masses spend their lives decorating the dung heap. Doesn't stop it from smelling. And it's never going to stop it from smelling. The only problem is that you can't smell it. Your sense of smell for this dung heap somehow disappeared. And it's only when you enter wisdom that it will return. And the only way to enter wisdom is to turn away from the dung heap. Bao said, when you go to the toilet, you flush. You don't stick your hand in the toilet and play with what came out. Well, that's what most people are doing. Only they call it something else. They call it money. They call it cars. They call it fame. They call it all kinds of different things. But this is all refuse. This is all refuse that Allah has thrown off from himself. And we pick up this refuse as if it were important and we play with it. And the stench of illusion becomes our stench. And we need to become purified. We need to get rid of this stench. 
Lady Macbeth could not wash the blood off her hands. Can we wash illusion off our hands? Can we wash illusion out of our being? Can we be rid of illusion and focus on reality? Or do we conclude and rationalize that reality is not appropriate in these circumstances because... Reality is not appropriate in these circumstances because. Because what? Because we have to make things straight. Because we have to show him how it really is. Because we can't let him get away with this. Because, because, because. We have to stick to a very fine code of conduct. And we have to adhere to it. And we have to understand why it is what it is. And this will be the basis for our ability to change from one who lives in illusion to one who lives in reality. If you don't have a strong basis in appropriate behavior... You can't take on compassion and mercy because it's subject to the whims of the magnetisms of illusion. It's subject to the cape. As soon as the cape flaps again, there you go. When do we stop? When are we no longer subject to the cape? May Allah help each of us understand the truth of this and understand that the Toreador is not our friend. That the one waving the cape at us is not trying to help us. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to kill the truth in us. Only Allah is our friend. Only Allah is the truth and only the ones who live in Allah are worthy of being companions with may we all find such people in our lives and may we all walk together towards God Amin, Amin Ya Rabbil Alameen Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah Wa Barakatuh